Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio. If you want to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. So wonderful to see everybody tonight. I love Wednesday because you're hungry when you come on Wednesday. Amen. I believe I'm going to preach something tonight that will minister to you because how we see God and how we view God is everything. I want to read to you a quote by Graham Cook, which I do want to say every time I see everybody lifting their phones during offering, it seems to me it's like, Lord, remove this idol. <laughs> you might want to add that to the prayer, right? You ever just be on, you're on your phone and you're doing so much on your phone, you're like, I just need to put it away, Right? It just always strikes me that way. So if that speaks to you, ask the Holy Spirit about it. Graham Cook said, how you perceive the Lord is how you receive him in your life. How you perceive the Lord is how you receive him in your life. So therefore, it's time to ask the Lord, Father, what is it that you want to be for me now that you couldn't be at any other time? Especially as you grow in grace and faith, there's things that begin to open up to you that you're able to look at the Lord and see him in a different lens. And if you're like me, you want to see him as he really is. You want the word to define him and your encounters with him to line up with the word. So it's accurate. But I believe that God wants to encounter us every day of our life and that he's available and ready to do that. But are we? If you grew up in church or in any kind of religious system, uh, whether that's Christianity, Catholicism, Islam, the list is uh, a million miles long. It seems like new things are being developed every day. New age movement, whatever you come out of, uh, there's a perceived view of how you look at God. You pick things up whether you knew it or not. And uh, all studies show that how you view your Heavenly Father is closely correlated to your relationship with your earthly father. If you had an earthly father, he was just a good provider, but he wasn't there emotionally, or he was distant, you know, you kind of will have a, you know, God's kind of distant. If you had an absent father, or if you didn't even know who your father was, you know, God's kind of like this, this idea. If you um, had a hard father, a critical father, a punishing father, it's easy to think that God was critical. And, you know, so everyone has a challenge, I believe, when it comes to viewing God as a good, good father. You see this even in the Old Testament. I believe that Moses struggled uh, so much up to the point that uh, he was viewing God incorrectly until God began to speak to him who he was. And when he began to reveal himself, because up to that point, there wasn't really relationship with God in a personal way. And that's when he told Moses, I believe it's in Exodus, um, that he said, I am the Lord God. I'm compassionate. I'm slow to anger. I'm merciful, filled with loving kindness and faithfulness. Now, that was a revelation because up to that point, they didn't know God in that way. The Jews, they had the, the spoken, they would speak it. It was, uh, you know, from generation, they would tell one another. So they knew about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew their faith. They knew the traditions that were passed on. They would tell them to their children going to and fro. So they knew God through the interpretations of what others would tell them. And then God introduces to Moses who he is and begins to give insight into his nature and into his character and you can begin to see the relationship take place. But as I was thinking about it, how we view God, um, 
I, I wanted to go over into Hebrews. I absolutely love the way that uh, the Amplified speaks in, in Hebrews 4 about the Word of God and also about who Jesus is. So for the screen, you can read along with me. It says, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Now, many of you read through scripture. You read through the whole uh, Bible this year. I commend those of you that stayed with it and, and you're faithful to it. You know who you are, amen. I don't want to ask how many still reading through because I don't want you to feel any kind of peer pressure and, and tell a white lie. <laughs> so you know who you are. The Holy Spirit knows who you are. But those that stayed with it and you, and you read through it, hopefully it wasn't just, I need to check this off my list, but hopefully it was an encounter because the word that God speaks is alive. And this word is so important. And as I read this scripture, I want you to keep in mind and ask yourself the question, where does the word, where is it at in my life? What priority does it take? Do I govern my worldview by the word of God? Do I govern my life by the word of God? What's the priority of the word in your life? Because I believe in the, even in the next decade ahead that if you are not really grounded in the word, that deception has a possibility of chewing you up and spitting you out. You can't just believe every wind of doctrine that comes along. You have to look at the word of God and the whole counsel of God's word, amen? amen. Because for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Your devotion life in the word, I believe you should have a journal with you. You should believe that God's going to speak to you and it's going to be something that is alive. It's going to be something that operates in your life, that it energizes you, it's effective. It means that it produces in the hard places. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Do you ever feel that sword when you're reading it? If not, you're reading it incorrectly. And the sword is not for your brother, amen? The, 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 the word of God is for us. It is a mirror. We look into it and we behold. So it penetrates to the dividing line of the breath of life, which is the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. You can keep the scripture up. We're going to look at the scripture just for a few moments. You ever have those moments to where you don't know if it's your soul, you don't know if it's your spirit, you don't know what's going on, it's just kind of, you're in like a quagmire, anybody? Everybody, right? You know that the word of God, when you get into the word and you allow the word to begin to go, it is the one thing and the only thing that can begin to divide out what you're feeling, whether it's your soul or your spirit, because the spirit and the soul is so closely related. That's why if you're sick in your soul, it is real common to be sick in your physical body because the soul and the spirit and the body were triune being were so connected that one, if one's out of balance, it can affect the other two. People that have, uh, let's just say something uh, in their soul like depression, that depression can get so severe that it affects their physical health, their physical body, because they don't go out and exercise, they're not getting sunlight, they're not getting vitamin D, uh, all these things begin to happen, their spirit is oppressed and it's weighed down because there's an assault upon them. I'm convinced even if you can't read the word under those kind of assaults, if you will at least put the word on audio and just let it play 24-7. That word, which is a sword, the Holy Spirit will unsheath that word as a sword and will begin to go and divide out and it will separate spirit from soul from body and it will sift and analyze and judge and go through the very thoughts and the purposes of a heart. 
Proverbs 4.23 tells us that above all, we have to guard our heart with all diligence. I've got to guard it more than I've got to guard my plans. I've got to guard it more than I've got to even budget and steward my money. Above everything, I have to guard my heart because that is the key to life. And it's so easy to neglect the most important things. So have you ever had those moments where the Holy Spirit begins to open your heart and expose it to you? It's not fun. I personally don't mind it. You know why? That means I'm in it. That means I'm going through the transformation process of glory to glory. You know the gym, gymnastics of transformation? Are you guys with me tonight? Everyone's just... I just thought we were reading a Bible plan, Pastor. <laughs> okay. You get another year at 2022 to get it right. <laughs> but does the Holy Spirit ever expose your heart to you? No, not your neighbor's heart. That's where you need that sword to come in and divide out from soul and spirit and discern you because that's, that's not the way you use the sword. I know this is going to be a newsflash, but another person is never our problem. Can you believe it? Because when you get that revelation, there's no such thing. Is victimization because you refuse to be a victim. You can take your life back if you've been victimized. That doesn't mean other people's sins against us don't affect us, but I have gotten in more trouble with my response to their sin against me than their actual sin, right? Mary Beth and I will just high-five right there. It is our response to their sin that gets us in more trouble than their actual sin itself. Has he ever sifted through your thoughts? That's a long day, right? That makes taking every thought captive and, um, you know, and bringing it into obedience, casting down vain imaginations and thoughts and bringing it into obedience to the Lord. It's a long day when he says, well, instead of casting down, let's just sit down. We're going to go through this. Why do you have that judgment? Why are you thinking that thought? Is that a Christ thought? Or is that your thought? Okay, it's your thought. Why is that thought there? Let's analyze this. And then he'll take you back to a moment in time where that thought was a seed and he planted it to set your life on a course because he built a stronghold around a thought that became a belief that became so entrenched within you. Whatever the thought was, let's just say it was all the gifts passed away with the apostles. That thought can be so entrenched that it affects your whole life and you remain in some little small contained thing that you can't encounter the spirit and the power of the living God. Or you can't read the Bible. That's for a priest or a pastor. And then your life stays in some small contained space because that thought is wrong. The Holy Spirit with the word of God will take us through and analyze and judge and sift and deal with things on the inside. Say, that can go, that can stay. I got to get back with the Father on this one. They go have a council meeting. They go, that definitely has got to go. But see, ask yourself the question, do you have keep out signs on the inside of your soul? Is God truly allowed to sift, analyze, Expose and judge your very thoughts to you. 
Now, am I the only one, or when he's talking to you, do you just try to walk faster in your walk of faith? Praise louder? How about rapid tongues? <laughs> You're just trying to just ignore that nagging voice? Just me. And you try to like do everything but stop and listen to what he's saying? Because you don't want to deal with you? Everybody's kind of grinning, so all right. I think you guys showed up. See, when God judges the very thought and purpose of the heart, I think that that's the day that we really, really, really need an encounter with him, and we need him to help us. Because when you really run into yourself, which there's nobody that's pressing in for God that is trying to live a transformed life, that this will not happen, and the pastor kind of mentioned it on Sunday, this is the day that you're going to need exorbitant amounts of grace and mercy. But I've also noticed that anybody that goes through this experience, they become better with people. The reason why? After God gets through sifting through your thoughts, exposing them, analyzing them, and judging them, you won't judge anybody else. Because you'll be like, woe is me. I am undone. What's Isaiah say? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among an unclean people. See, if there's any smugness or self-righteousness or you think you've arrived and, well, I'm not like that person, he has yet to take you through this experience. Until you're like that man beating his chest and just saying, God, have mercy on me. You got a dose of religion. You didn't get a dose of relationship. So I love the word of God, even when I don't like the word of God. Because the word of God will locate you, it will align you, it will bring to your life a purifying purpose. But the one good thing about a sword is it can cut some things off. And though it is swift and though it's a little painful, you will heal from it. But the great thing is, is you don't necessarily have to go through circumstantial trials and experiences to get that thing purged because he just whacked it off. That's why the fast is important. I said it in my book, Crushing Condemnation. But mediocrity is the, or passivity is the petri dish of mediocrity. If you go into a fast passive, you get into it what you put out of it. If you don't have the revelation of fasting, and if you just think, well, that's really radical. There are books that are on sale out there to help assist you. We can't do your studying for you. If you think, well, you know, I don't have anything to lose on your physical frame, I can assure you there's stuff in your soul and spirit that he will deal with. Plus, you give your organs a break, and actually fasting proves it's a health benefit. Isaiah says it. But why do we fast? Read the book, you'll find out. I know why I fast. We went through a war in the community, as many of you know, and I'm convinced the only reason we came out on top and won in a fabulous, fantastic way, I might add, is because this church body knows about prayer and fasting. We stayed on our face and we fasted and we prayed and that's all my husband would do. We would fight politicians and attorneys in the township during the day 
Then we'd go back to the office and we would pray and we would fast and we would contend. And we had to fight it in the spirit. We were talking the other day about a colleague of ours that we know had a great church in Alaska, was doing a tremendous work, and a uh, salacious journalist reporter went up there and did a story on his church and pretty much destroyed the church. And if I said the name of the reporter, you would know him. And we were talking about it, and he said, you know, if so-and-so would have had the revelation of just fasting and praying, they probably possibly could have won that. And it probably would have turned it around and saved it. I have no doubt, actually, that it would have. So I encourage you, when you go into the fast, it's a mental, spiritual attitude. Don't dread it, but just approach it. God, what do you have for me? Show me what fasting does in my life. It's hard, Pastor. No, duh. People that say, I love fasting. I'm like, well, I hope you keep fasting, get purged of lying. And some people do it long enough that it's just a discipline and they can do it. I get that. You say, I've never fasted before. Well, start now. Start tapering off some some sugar. I mean, do what you want on Christmas Day. I mean, I get that. Kill the plate. Do whatever you got to do. But you can start prepping now. But here's the biggest thing you got to prep with. Unless you're just in horrible physical condition, of course, consult your physician. You can still fast media. You can still fast sugar. You can, there's a thousand things you can fast that aren't good for you. But when you say that, flesh creatures go, that's what I'll do. I'll fast Facebook 21 days. No, you need to turn your plate over and shut your mouth and just hear God and pray in the spirit. Don't give your flesh a little passive pass. I can't do that. It's hard. But aren't you tired of always quitting at the things that are hard and giving yourself permission because it's hard. It's, I get a headache. <laughs> Why do we have to fast? In my other church, we didn't have to fast. You don't go to that other church. For whatever reason, you left that church, you came to this church. We fast and pray, folks. Do I have to? You don't have to do anything. You've got to pay your taxes, but you know what I mean. You don't, these are all your choices. You get to. You get to. So I encourage you, go the distance. You, you know those passes we give our flesh. Do you have passes that you give your flesh? I do. Oh, you're covered in the blood. He loves you here. Here, flesh, you're righteous. I like when my flesh tries to negotiate with me and say, don't, don't fast today, fast tomorrow. It only happens at noon on the day of the fast. I ignore it. But about 2 p.m. when I really eat every day anyway, that's when it's like, come on, I'll fast tomorrow. We'll get a good press going. Come on. You know how many times I've believed the liar of my flesh? But you know, there's nothing like great victory when you can nail that flesh on the cross and keep it on the cross and say, no. You know what I tell my flesh? I say, shut up and die. Shut up and die. It's screaming, like, shut up and die. Because you know how many times through the year that I'm going to be able to have the power to tell my flesh, shut up and die and do what God says? Because I set my whole year, because I fasted and I prayed, gave first fruits, and did some things that not everybody's willing to do. 
If you want something different, do something different. That was all free, not even in my notes. Because you know when you're saved for a while, like when you first came in, you're so excited to make that 21 days. And when you get saved for a while, you give yourself this, this pass called immature, brother. It doesn't take all that. I don't know about you, but are you aware of the spiritual atmosphere we live in and under? It takes that. It doesn't take that for salvation. This has nothing to do with salvation. You know how you're saved? You believe that Jesus died on the cross and God rose him from the dead. If you believe that in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. The Bible says you're saved. That's how you're saved. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about people that actually want to do something for God. So continuing on with this teaching, verse 13, it talks about the word. It introduces the word. All right, it's alive. It's active. It's powerful. It's energetic. It's effective. It does all these things. Look what verse 13 says. Here's what the word does. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. Remember, this is talking about inside of you. Keep it in context. It's talking about your spirit and your soul. Remember, he's a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. Not a creature below exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed. That's why he can expose, sift, judge, and analyze the intents and thoughts of your heart. All things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of whom, with whom we have to do. Now, this will change your life when you read the word. Because all that stuff that will not get out of your way, you don't know why it's there. You can't quite bring language to it and wrap it in speech. The Holy Spirit, with the word of God, knows exactly what it is that is stopping you, that keeps you the same year after year after year. And he can expose, judge, sift, and analyze the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Why? Because of this verse right here. Nothing below on the inside is hidden from him. In fact, it is defenseless and it's naked. He knows why it is there. He knows how it got there. And the sword of the Lord comes down on that thing and says, that's what I want right there. This is what I want. And you can't hide from it. You can't <laughs> throw it under the the rug it's all defenseless before him he sees it all he knows it all and he does not want us to hide it well how do you know that pastor Teresa look at the context of the next scripture because when you see yourself this is what you're going to need and as much then well because you're bummed out because of all that garbage that lives on the inside of you that he's got the sword of the Lord down <laughs> we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. And then here's the introduction of who he is. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. You can say on this verse. This verse will change your life if you meditate it. This is what God, Jehovah, told Moses. For I, the Lord God, am merciful, loving, kind, full of compassion, tenderhearted, 
When you have all of these things going on in your life, because the word of the Lord will adjust you, it will locate you, it will find you, it will bring the sword of the Lord down on the inside of the character of your life. It'll take you to the gymnasium of character development. And you know what? You're not going to feel real good about yourself. But here's the spirit in the heart in which Jesus, the great high priest, does it. He comes and he understands. He actually sympathizes with it. He has a shared feeling with the weakness, the infirmity, the liability to temptation, to the assaults of temptation. He knows why what tempts you tempts you. And possibly what tempts you does not tempt me. He knows everything. He knows your whole story. He knows why you can't get past it. He was there. He knows why it was placed there. And he is moved with compassion. He sympathizes. He does not sit there like, hurry up and get it together. He knows those of you that have not, did not have a father, he knows that there's this void and you just can't seem to get it. You have no understanding of it. He knows there was somebody that wasn't around, that they were absent. They did not provide for you. They did not care about you. They never tucked you in at night. He knows the void. He understands it. And you know what? He's not critical of you. He actually sympathizes. I'm sorry that that happened. I'm sorry you didn't have that. That was never my intention. The devil tries to get us to hide what we're tempted by. When the word of God says he's a merciful high priest, he's not unable to understand. But he understands completely why there's an assault of temptation against your life. The devil tries to get us to hide the temptation when Jesus, according to scripture, understands the temptation. So if he understands the temptation, wouldn't he be able to go back and reverse the situation that created the whole thing? That you can no longer be enticed and drawn towards certain things? You didn't know this was in the Bible, right? But did you take the time to sit with it and apply it to your everyday life? That is what and how you read the word. You allow the word of God to read you. All right. Stay there in your Bibles if you're following. Let's go over to, I'll ask Miss Laverne to bring this up. Let's go over to Colossians 3. I'm going to help you out with, and the whole time I read this list, I want you to think about this list, because if I just read it without you thinking this, you're going to cower backward. But if I read this with you with an understanding that we have a high priest who understands and sympathizes It'll help you because this is the list he wants to help you with. Ms. Laverne, if you could do Colossians 3, 1 through 10. If, all right, say if. You got to really make sure you're in Christ, folks. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. This is the Amplified, by the way. Verse 2. And set your minds and keep them set on what is above. Keep them set. That's in our power. The higher things, not the things that are on the earth. Next, you can just keep going as I finish the scripture. For as far as this world is concerned, you have died and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. So we pass from death to life. We're in a new life. 
When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. This is the promise. All right, because we're now in Christ and we're going to appear in glory, this is now our responsibility. So keep it in mind, you've got a merciful high priest. So kill, that's what fasting does, by the way, it deals with the flesh. So kill, deaden, deprive of power, the evil desire lurking in your members. Those animal impulses. That's what happens when you view porn, by the way, that's just free. Those animal impulses and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin. Sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness, for that is idolatry. Greed is idolatry. Materialism. Money. Fear. That you don't have enough money. That's, that's rooted in greed. All greed and covetousness, for that is idolatry. The deifying of self, which is the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. All right, the deifying of self and other things instead of God. Keep this list there. You, you can go back to verse 5. So we have this list, right? And yet you have Hebrews saying, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and be compassionate toward the assaults of temptation. And we know that these are temptations, and they the word tells us to put off these things. So you got to bring this stuff to the light so that the word of God can begin to deal with these things. So kill, deaden, deprive of power, the evil desire lurking in your members, those animal impulses, and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin, sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness, for that is idolatry, the deifying of self and other created things instead of God. Next verse. It is on account of these very sins that the holy anger of God is ever coming upon the sons. Remember, he's talking to the church. The sons of disobedience. Those who are obstinately opposed to the divine will. Among whom you also once walked. Say once walked. He wants us to walk out of this in the new life. In whom you also once walked when you were living in and addicted to such practices. But now put away and rid yourself, again, this speaks to our responsibility, put away and rid yourselves completely of all these things. Anger, rage, bad feeling toward others, and the J.B. Phillips says, and bad feelings toward God. Curses and slander and foul-mouthed abuse and shameful utterances from your lips. I think that probably would include cussing, <laughs> gossip. Do not lie to one another, for you've stripped off the old unregenerate self with its evil practices and have clothed yourself with the new spiritual life, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded. See, ever in the process. Sanctification is a journey. Ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image the likeness of him who created it. Okay, back over to Hebrews. Because you need a merciful high priest. Who here needs a merciful high priest? Oh my goodness. Every day, all day. So over, back over in Hebrews 12. The word of God, we understand the word. It judges, sifts, analyzes. We know that not a creature below is hidden. That list that we just read... A lot of creatures in that list, would you agree? If you want another list, you can go over to Galatians 5. It talks about the works of the flesh. 
You can uh, go over into Ephesians 4. I mean, there's lots of lists. I call it the black list of the Bible, okay? But, I mean, we want to be on the blood list, all right? The blood that washes away our sins and its effects. So it says, we have a high priest. He's already ascended. In other words, Jesus ran his race. He passed his test. All right, so let's look at verse 15. I want to make sure that you have a proper view of Jesus who comes to help you with all that list. He doesn't back away from you. He actually runs toward you. Because if you learn to run towards Jesus as the merciful high priest, you'll walk completely out of that stuff and put on the renewed self that you're supposed to walk in. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. In verse 16, this is what we're going to focus on right now. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly, does any of that sound passive? Remember, passivity is the petri dish of mediocrity. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's merited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Regardless of an issue in your life, where you're at, Jesus is a merciful high priest and he comes to meet you in that condition, not to leave you in that condition, but to elevate you up and out of that condition, to live the renewed life, to walk in the spirit, to begin to walk in power, and to walk into the transformation of a changed life bearing the exact image of the Son of God. We have shared responsibility in this. We know that we're saved, but as soon as you're saved, the Holy Spirit goes to work on the inside of your character, and he wants to transform you into the exact likeness of the Son of God is what Scripture tells us. It's not impossible. You're not an exception to the rule. I'm not an exception to the rule. If we want to go ahead and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we will walk completely out of darkness, completely out of all of that mess, completely out of every curse. And we can learn how to tap the grace of God to go to that merciful high priest and ask for well-timed help coming just when we need it. Jesus creates an opportunity of escape in every temptation. We do not have to fall to temptation. We do not have to fall to everything that's going on in the world, all of the deception that is loosed. We, as children of the living God, as sons and daughters, can actually mature and grow in the character and likeness of Jesus Christ. I'm astounded. A, a group of friends and I were talking today. I'm astounded at the level of deception that's taking people out that lived for the Lord for 30 and 35 plus years. And I sit and I wonder, well, how did you get taken out? The Bible talks about that there would be a spirit of deception that is loosed. And we know that in the last days there is a, a great apostasy that would come that many would fall from their faith. That's why it's really hard for me to believe in the whole eternal security doctrine that is taught. Derek Prince said when he was delivering somebody that a demon came out. He was casting out demons of religion and deception. And one of the demons said, I'm a demon of eternal security. Well, I don't believe that, Pastor Tracy. I, I believe pretty much about anything, Derek Prince says, when it comes to demons. Why don't I believe it's eternal security? Because the Bible, it's all how you uh, define salvation and being saved. 
The Bible says in the New Testament that we're saved, we're being saved, and we shall be saved. I don't believe you can lose your salvation, but I do believe you can leave it. To lose it implies that the fault is with God. To leave it implies our free choice. My husband can love me with all his heart and be married to me, but you know what? If I choose to break covenant and divorce him and walk away from him, there isn't anything legal he could do because of my free will. I could leave someone that loves me if I wanted to. You and I can leave God if we want to. No, I don't want to. I don't believe you want to. The majority of you are here because you want to be. Or your parents dragged you here, but either way. And the Bible talks about that there would be in the last days a great falling away. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Paul says that I tell you now that uh, even weeping, that disciples that he, that he trained, I tell you now even weeping, they have become enemies of the cross. And just inquiring of the Lord about it, I'm like, God, how? I mean, I could, I could tell you like, at least a half a dozen, if, if not more, people that I know, that all of a sudden, one day, it was like they just decided they're going to leave their faith, leave their family and children, and they're just going to go off and find their new freedom. You're just looking at them like, somebody put something in your orange juice? What happened? Or they all of a sudden start believing whacked out weird doctrines. Some all of a sudden like, how do you one day go for I'm living for Jesus to? I'm now an atheist. That, folks, is a demonic spirit that is loosed because of the last hour that we're living in. Paul said that as you see the day approaching, give yourself to sound doctrine, to the teaching of the word. If I came up to you and I asked you, tell me what you believe, could you tell me doctrine? If not, please do what the apostle Paul said, give yourself to sound doctrine. Give yourself to the tenets of the faith. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Even in this territory that, that so many grow up in parochial school, they're, being, they're, they're used to the priest or, or, or others, pastors, defining for them the word of God. Today, we're trying to get you to realize you're not supposed to be pastor-led. You're supposed to be spirit-led. You're supposed to go into the word of God for yourself. Everything I'm, I'm teaching tonight, just like pastor says, you're supposed to go and take your Bible which is going to be real interesting because I read from the Bible, but take your Bible and see if what I preach is in your Bible. What do you believe and why do you believe it? Do you give your flesh an excuse and why? Because according to what I just read, there are no excuses for that. In fact, there's a responsibility to kill, to deaden of its power, those animal impulses that are within. And then begin to call those things up and out, say, you know what, I'm not going to live that deprived life. I'm going to now live the renewed life of Christ. That's why we believe in fasting. According to scripture, that is the antidote for the flesh. Single people who aren't married, you know the way that you keep your sexual appetite in control? You got to fast. You have to tell your flesh, no, we're not doing that. That's the only way you can live clean with all the temptation and everything around you. Married people that struggle with lust, that's the same answer. If you struggle with gossip, or you struggle with fear, and I can't tithe, I can't trust God, that is fear that is elevated above the lordship of Christ. Pastor, you're just saying that because you want my tithe. Nope. 
clearly we pay the bills and then some without your tithe. I'm trying to set you free. The Bible says in Romans, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death. How are you set free from the law of sin and death? It's when you fast, when you pray. It also says in Romans 8 that by the spirit you do mortify the deeds of the flesh. Fasting is the key and it is the most underused discipline in the body of Christ in the American church. People think you're crazy. But if you get your flesh to go down, you'll come up. You got to put it under so you can go over. There's a way to walk in victory. He does not leave us to our own devices. He is a merciful, kind high priest. You will see him coaching you and cheering you on. But the temptation is, is to negotiate with God and Try to work it out, to have our own form and version of how we get to walk in the Spirit, and it's just not the way it works. There literally is an accounting of your life. You and I will stand before God, and he will ask us, according to Scripture, even about every idle word we spoke. Pastor, you're scaring me. I'm just telling you what's in the Bible. Certainly not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to encourage you that regardless of where you find yourself, where I find myself, there is a merciful high priest who is compassionate. He sympathizes. He knows why you are, what you are, and where you are, and he knows how to go in and to begin to unhook you, unlock you, release you, heal you, and elevate you. He knows how to break the containment on your mind that just says this is as far as you'll go and no further. There are so many, especially those of us that have been with us for a number of years, five to seven years, you're just stuck. If you will begin to say, I am no longer content to be in this place, and you'll give yourself to fasting and praying, even if you, after the January, you just continue to fast every month, you'll break the containment off your life. Because those that can be stopped, what do I always say? Will be stopped. But if you look at it as a holy race with a compassionate, merciful high priest that will help you out of every pit that you find yourself in and will begin to transform you and take you from glory to glory and begin to qualify your character for the calling of God upon your life, you will not be bored with your Christianity. You will not succumb to seducing doctrines of demons. You will not come to all the falsities that are there that try to put you and contain you in a place that keeps you inoperative, but you will begin to be effective because as you obey the word of God, according to 1 Peter, you purify your soul. But God is there to help you. Jesus is there to help you, to change you, especially if you have those stubborn areas where you just believe you're right. Now, am I the only one that just believes I'm right? You know why we believe we're right? Because we thought. We thought it up. The most dangerous people to be around are people who don't ever bounce anything off of others. They just think to write because, well, they thought it. They're not accountable to anyone. They don't even have a close friend group where they can bounce things off. I thank God for the people in my life. If I say something stupid, they would say, wow, that's stupid. <laughs> You're thinking, what? I constantly bounce things off. I welcome accountability. I'm always checking in with my leaders because I don't want to be deceived. And the easiest person to deceive is who? 
yourself. And then when someone tries to tell you that you're deceived, what do you do? You defend yourself because self is God. I thought it. Therefore, I am. You're deceived. <laughs> and, and if you're ever the hero of all your stories and all your dreams, you're deceived. If every time you tell the story, you're the hero, ask Jesus to heal the insecurity. He's real merciful and kind. He'll probably tell you when that first seed got in there of not being noticed, of not being valued. See, the devil does this stuff, plants it, and then he wants to put you in shame and embarrassment and lock you in that where you can't go and you won't go to the merciful, kind, compassionate high priest who really, if you could look at him, Jesus is like, oh, I'm glad, glad we're finally going to get to talk about this. I was hoping you'd come talk to me. Because I know the answer to this. And I can touch that. And I know it's not easy down here, folks. I've already been through it. That's why I left you my example to walk in my, my footsteps. To turn the other cheek. To not revile when you're reviled. To love your enemies. To do good to people even when they don't deserve it. They're not going to deserve it back. But when you're living according to new ideals... You can live from a different place. You can live from a kingdom, not from vindictive. You weren't nice to me. I don't have to be nice to you. You can honor people that are not honorable. And when I look and I'm like, okay, what can I find to honor? Ding. They were created in God's image. You can honor for that. I believe 2022, I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I predict more crazy. <laughs> Because the world is upside down. But that's when the kingdom is going to make the, more, the most sense. Because it's light and truth and salt. And people who are going into God from glory to glory. And they can experience Jesus as the merciful, sympathetic high priest. And then they can give Jesus as the merciful, sympathetic high priest. Because if you don't know Jesus that way, you're going to be legalistic and mean. And Jesus has never been mean to you or to me when he was cleaning up our life. Would you agree? If I could have every head bowed. I trust this word helped you tonight because how you view God is how you walk with him and how you receive from him. And before we get to the filters, I just want to ask you a question. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you born from above? That's the first thing. If you died tonight and you entered into eternity... You going to heaven or are you going to hell? And I'm sorry we live in a time to where that is such a pointed, direct question. We're just here for a little bit, folks. 80, 90 years. And that's if you're doing really, really good. Are you saved? Are you born again? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you repented of your sin? If you died, would you be in heaven? If not, Jesus wants to save you tonight. Are you right with God? If you would like to get right with him, you can just raise your hand. It would be our honor to pray with you. Okay, I'm going to change the call now. As I was preaching tonight, the Holy Spirit was bearing witness to your heart. You know, you don't see me. You don't see Jesus. You don't see the Father. 
the way that I want you to see how I chose to express myself. But you see me as holding back or you see me as hard or punishing or fault-finding or critical. If any of that resonated with you and you just want to say, Jesus, I want to see you as that merciful high priest, you can come up here, we'll just pray a prayer of agreement and ask God to give us a new father filter to see Jesus as he is. You don't have to wait for your neighbor. If this word spoke to you, just respond to the word and he'll respond to you. He's a merciful, compassionate high priest. He sympathizes. He knows why, what, where. He knows it all. Thank you, Jesus. I'm excited for you that are responding. You're going to set up your 2022. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.